This is After School on Core 77. I'm Don Lehman. The past couple of weeks have seen the release of two next-generation video game consoles, the PS4 and the Xbox One. I love when new consoles come out. It's such a rare occurrence that every console becomes a milestone for design and technology. So I thought it'd be fun to break down the game industry's efforts, as well as try to decipher where they're going to go next, with my buddy Peter Rivera Parola. Besides being an avid gamer and tech nerd like myself, Peter's also an industrial designer and manager of strategic concepts at McDonald's in Chicago. Stay tuned. So, um, I saw Johnny Ive the other day. Yeah, I saw that, uh, that photo you posted on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because... With Bono. Yeah, well, that's that's the funny part is because like when I tell people about it, I say Johnny Ivan, and then I go, "Oh yeah, Bono's there," and then they then <laughs> and then they freak out. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, Mark Newsom was there too, so you yeah, say, exactly. I say Johnny and Mark, and then oh yeah, Bono. Yeah, Bono was you know the third wheel. <laughs> yeah, it was a very very surreal. What was that for experience. again? You said there was an auction. Yeah, so you know that um that red auction mm-hmm. where um. Johnny and Mark, um, well, I guess Bono got them together to put some, you know, to curate a whole collection. And then the two of the two designers, um, got some, they, they kind of customized some things. So got it. they both designed a one-off like a camera. Mm, right. I've seen that. And then they did an aluminum, like this special a aluminum table. table. Yeah. Which yeah. sort of looks Mark. Newsom-esque and the camera, it kind of looks like a merger of both of them, I think. Yeah, because kind of the like impossible, you know, thinness of you know, honesty towards the material is like very Ivan and the styling was a little more Newsom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it sounds like that um, that auction did like phenomenally well. Like it's on like that they got like double what they were expecting for some of the stuff. So Wow. But it was like really weird. So like at Sotheby's is in here in New York. Mm-hmm. And they've got locations all over, but this is where the auction was going to happen. Oh, <laughs> so I had a. Did you hear that on on your side? What? The it's six fifteen. No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I just heard like a little like like the sound like went out for a split second. Oh, that's so. In the last podcast, I was po- uh, talking with uh, Paulo Rivera. Uh huh. And he does this thing where he has his computer announce the time every fifteen minutes. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I thought that was a really cool idea. It was just the idea that you could more easily track the passage of time that way. Yeah. So I yeah. started doing it. And uh, in that podcast, his uh, clock went off in the middle of it. And now mine did. So, but anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So I went to Sotheby's to, uh, to check this thing out. And first of all, Sotheby's is totally freaking cool. There's like mm. 10 floors and there's like different exhibits going on. And so I was just going for the red thing because it was free. You can just walk in and, and check the stuff out. Cool. Uh, but I get there and they had that floor where all the red stuff was. It was shut down for like a, an hour or two. Mm-hmm. So they go, why don't you go up to the 10th floor? There's some exhibits up there and then you can come back down. So I go up there and there's all these like really exotic looking 
cars. Like they had a, mm. you know, all from like the thirties and through sixties, seventies sort of era. And yes. like, you know, those vintage cars generally have sort of like an older, like obviously they have an older feel to them, but they look like they're older as well, even if they're in really good oh, condition. Yeah. These, yeah, definitely. These cars looked like they had just rolled off the assembly line. Like there wow. was nothing wrong with them at all. Um, the upholstery was perfect. I don't know if they'd been reupholstered or they just had never really been touched, but everything yeah. about them looked just mint. That's cool. And uh, there was this one Ferrari that had been used in several races, and that was going for like $12 million. Jeez. Yeah, but they were like <clears throat> very, very top-notch cars. Anyway, so after about 45 minutes of that, I go back downstairs to the red thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a rope there, and I'm just kind of hanging out because I know that I just want to wait for them to get done with whatever they're they're doing. Yeah. And the security guard's there. And he's just like, yeah, you can't talk right now. They got some some filming going on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, they're probably doing something for the, you know, Sotheby's is, is taping something for, you know, some video or something like that. Sure. And, uh, and then I heard Bono's voice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like around the corner. And, uh, and then he start, and he gets on that, uh, that Steinway piano that, the uh mm-hmm. that johnny and mark um uh, customized so it's like an all-white piano with some red accents to it <clears throat> and he starts kind of singing a little bar here and there he didn't he didn't kind of break into full song but that's too funny <laughs> but at that <laughs> point i kind of just want to see the stuff so oh, yeah <laughs> but that but i was also kind of thinking in the back of my head it was like i wonder if uh I wonder if Mark and Johnny are here too. That would be kind of cool because I've never seen them in person before. You saw? Sure. Didn't you see Mark Newson one time in in school? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He had, he was doing a uh, guest lecture in uh, you know in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know a bunch of us went to go see him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so eventually they they let me and there was like maybe like five other people with me just kind of hanging out back mm-hmm. behind the rope, and sort of wandering around and. There's no one in the room at this time. And then all of a sudden, the three of them come out. And they, they walk right past us. And they, they look over at this, uh, this Fiat, this red, mm-hmm. this red Fiat. And they go, all right, all right, boys, let's get the, uh, let's get the top off of this thing. Let's take a picture. And, and then so literally the three of them are just like popping open the top of this thing and then moving the top off to the side so they can climb into the car and... Take That's a, so crazy. Take a picture, and the, and the Sotheby's people are looking at each other like, "Is this allowed?" And I'm like, "Well, I guess it's yeah. Like, I guess it's their exhibit. How do you really say no to them?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, then they they climb in, and then and there's a there's a great picture I took of Johnny and Mark in the in the front seat, and Bono's in the back, and he's got his arms raised, and he's you know. That just must have been so surreal for you. <laughs> it was very weird, you know, and I was way more starstruck by. Johnny and Mark. Oh, uh, sure. And then Bono, because, you know, being a... <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, th- th- those two guys are basically, you know, those were the first two designers I learned about. Right. And, uh, you know, especially Johnny. I mean, like, I remember when I was starting to think about going into industrial design when I was in high school, it's like that was when the original iMac came out. And I go, oh, okay, I could be doing that. That's what I want yeah. to be doing. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. 
and and then uh yeah so i would say i was definitely similar and then there was a weird little um uh or i guess another influence um very early on of not so much now for me personally but um philippe stark kind of like came around around the same time as like mark newson for me and i was like oh right you know like these guys seem to be doing a lot of like they're they're running the full gamut of stuff from cars to basically you know cars and ships and furniture and house goods and that i think it was watching those those three of them together got i think gave me the the uh the, the full span of what industrial design can do right um so that was neat yeah yeah, yeah. the the biggest fear i had was like trying like if also i was going to talk to them and like i mm. i was literally starstruck i had no idea what you would say. Well, I would say. And so I just kind of hung back because, like, you know, they're, you know, especially Johnny seems sort of like a private guy. Yes. Very introverted, probably. And, uh, you know, I just didn't really kind of want to break that bubble too much. But then as soon as they kind of walked off, I was like, I just, just should have gone up and shook their hand or something. Yeah. But, but it's like, you know, what do you say? It's like, hey, nice work. You know, I appreciate, you know, yeah. what you do. You've changed my life. You, can I kiss you? Like, what's the. Right. Yeah, what's, what's the protocol? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But that's very cool, though. And then, uh, oddly enough, last night, um, Lisa and I and our, our friends, Chris and Julia, went and saw um, Lena Dunham talk to J.J. Abrams. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was a full on week of uh, seeing celebrity creative heroes kind of that's super cool doing what they do and i don't have too much to say about the jj abrams thing he was promoting a book that mm. that he had written with um i think the guy's name is doug dorst but it actually sounded like a pretty cool cool book they were talking about it most of the time but um obviously there were some questions that came up about star wars and it's like i can't even imagine working on that oh jeez. Right like yeah. i mean I mean, you just think about what's going on in that guy's head right now. It's, you know, it would be like if I was going to be, you know, I just said how the iMac had kind of influenced me. If I was doing like a sequel to the iMac and I also had yeah. to plan out, uh, you know, what the next 10 years of that yeah. were going to be like, or, you know, the iPhone or the oh yeah, whatever. It's, it, it it it'd be a ridiculous task that really I don't think there's any way to set up like your own personal expectations. Like, what is J.J. Abrams thinking about this? Obviously, besides besides being a excited that he was given the opportunity and he's in, currently in process, but it's like, do you do you go out of your way to make it yours? Do you how much homage do you pay to you know to the original? Like, I mean, all these internal questions must be you know, kind of driving him nuts and, you know, good for him. Like, you know, I can't have anything but pride for the guy, you know? Yeah. But oof, I can't imagine what's going through his head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's cause, oh man, you have to create this one story, but this one story has to set up the next two stories and create like, yeah. this overall arc. But what was interesting was that, you know, he didn't talk too much about the story, but he did kind mm -hmm. of mention that he felt that the originals had set up an obvious path for where this story mm. needed to go. Mm. So it seems like he's got a very strong view of, of where this needs to go already. That's good. Yeah. And then the other thing was someone had mentioned <laughs> um, if he was going to kill off Jar Jar. 
<laughs> like just you know like kill him in the story and he didn't seem opposed to killing him <laughs> it's like i'm good with that yeah the opening scene is a decapitation and <laughs> yeah so it, it leads i have the impression that while he is very reverential of the originals mm-hmm. he has a, a not a fantastic opinion of the new ones Sure, and he's and he's right. He's very aware what the shortcomings of the new ones were, and ultimately, I think as fans of of the series in general, um, that's what you want. I think from the next creator, you want someone with a strong point of view, but you also want them to give reverence uh, as necessary, but don't be a slave to it. And and, and I think ultimately, he's the right guy. Right. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. You know. Right, and I think there's something to be said for being. Uh, part of a generation that grew up on the thing that you are right. now making. Like, I think there's something like in how Quentin Tarantino approaches his movies. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing could be said for JJ Abrams where they, yeah. that, you know, th- there was these original creators that did this thing, but these guys had just had done nothing but study them their whole yeah. lives and kind of know what works and what doesn't about that and kind of translates it to a new potentially better thing so yeah yeah very exciting so let's talk uh let's talk game consoles all right um the ps4 launched a little over a week ago now yes Mm -hmm. the xbox one launched on friday and so i that's gen 8 is now fully launched you have the wii u which which from last year now these two um. So let's start with Wii U because I guess it launched a mm-hmm. year ago and kind of figure out where where it is right now. Is it is it safe yeah. to say that the do you do you think it's a non-starter or do you think it can recover? So I'm I'm personally on the fence about this, and the only reason I say that is I think if you would have asked me six months ago if if the Wii U was done, um, I would have said. Probably because I don't have one. I'm a huge fan of Nintendo. I still think they're some of the best game developers out there. Period. Um, you know, making some of the best games. Um, and I think up until, in fact, even the past two months, um, what many people, what you'll see on you know many, you know, gaming outlets, what you'll hear is that this holiday season, the best games belong to Nintendo. So even though the system is a year old. All these new launch consoles, both you know Microsoft and Sony, there is no killer app. There is no you know uh, software that ultimately is going to sell the systems. Um, whereas with Nintendo now having been out a year, um, they're really putting their best games forth this year. Um, so you know they have a new 3D Mario, they have the new Zelda on the 3DS, and both of those games are being lauded for just how spectacular they are. Right, um, and. Uh, I think that gives me that little blip of hope. Um, I think eventually I will absolutely own one, but um, for me, of course, it's it's coming down to you know to the software, and then I think the understanding that the Wii U is never going to be the networked multimedia center that Microsoft and Sony are aspiring to. It is purely just like the nostalgia machine, um, and it's going to play Nintendo-only titles, both old and new. Um, and everyone I've talked to is okay with that. It seems like that that's why people are buying Nintendo. They're not buying Nintendo to be part of the next generation. They're buying Nintendo to experience Nintendo. 
Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't think they are going to have the lead in sales ultimately that, um, that they did this past generation. Obviously the, the, we, the original, we was just a overwhelming success and it's not something that, um, I don't think is going to repeat, you know, in, in, you know, in history. I think, I think there's a, it's a very different market. I think Nintendo has received a lot of competition from, you know, Apple, you know, iOS, any, uh, you know, any other handheld competitors. Ultimately, though, as I mentioned, that a 3DS kind of uh, ex is experiencing a resurgence, mostly due to great software. So that's the only, I think, hope that the only parallel that Nintendo might experience is if the same thing can happen to the 3DS, which also had a weak launch. You know, if you remember, for about a year, sales weren't um, meeting expectations. So the Wii U might experience a similar thing. I think once, you know, kind of all those games start coming out again, um, they certainly have the potential to to come back, but I don't think they're going to be the top this go around. I think it's impossible. Yeah. Just, just you know, just just due to time and and kind of where where the market is, where the world is now. Right. Yeah. I mean, they've only really been, I guess, over their history, they've only really had the top selling game console. And I'm talking about like home, kind of like plug it into your TV type consoles, not mm -hmm. not mobile stuff. But I think. Before the Wii, was it just the original NES, or was it the Super Nintendo too? I, I don't recall. It was definitely. Um, I but, feel it was the NES because then the the Super if, Nintendo I think had a lot of competition from the Sega Genesis. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I I don't know when they led last, but um, right. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. Right, and that's that's kind of the difference between Nintendo and the other two is that. They've only really made consoles so they can make games, right? You know, like so, like obviously the other consoles play games, but Sony and Microsoft are not game studios per se in the same way that Nintendo is, right? And so the killer app for all Nintendo consoles are you, you know, Nintendo games, and mm -hmm. that, that's the only reason why I ever buy a, a Nintendo console is because I love their games, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard, though, because, you know, we're quickly kind of approaching this this world where, you know, I, th I think a lot of people are making this argument that Nintendo should go uh, mobile only or at least start selling games for, you know, mobile type <laughs> platforms. And it's... they. You know, gamers are like, well, why would they need to do that? You know, it's like the games are available for the consoles. That's, you know, what's driving the consoles. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, eventually these consoles are going to become apps. Yeah. Like in the same way that the GPS, you know, reader or, you know, viewers and cameras and MP3 players and all those things became apps. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, I, I keep going back and forth. Like, does Nintendo, can Nintendo survive in a world where, a console is an app. Mm, yeah, I mean that's um, that's a good question because I think ultimately Nintendo. I think here's what's interesting about them is I think partly and see themselves as a hardware company, even though I think we all see them as a software company, right? Um, or at least you know at the very least a publish publisher and you know development company, um, and. I, I don't think they know what they would rather be because um, part of me gets really excited about the idea of them producing just software 
um, for, you know, other platforms. Like, I think how cool would it be to open up my iPad and be able to play, you know, a Nintendo game? But I think ultimately there's, um, they want a little bit more control over the experience. They want you to experience their games the way that they've developed their hardware to enable you to do so. Um, you know, they're like every Nintendo console, or at least the, the last few of, of note, I, didn't, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but had a particular point of view that they felt was going to enhance your gameplay. Um, obviously, in the case of the Wii U, that secondary screen is a big thing for them. Not that every game uses it, but it is something where I think that colors a lot of the software that they're developing. And that, you know, ultimately, I think they would like um, their hardware to be powering their software. Um, so I, I don't foresee them going pure software anytime soon, if only for pride and creative control over those experiences yeah but, well, well right but like it isn't the i think that's that's the thing though is that the hardware that they really can care about are the controllers not so much right the console itself yeah and that i mean that's really kind of they make great games and they make really interesting ways to control those games yes and there's but there's quickly becoming ways where they don't need to develop the platform anymore to be able to do those yeah. two things yeah you know, yeah. like, so couldn't you see a world where uh, they make a really interesting controller for, I don't know, like Apple TV or a Google TV? Oh, yeah. And they release software specifically for that, that, you know, you don't, they don't have to worry about maintaining these platforms anymore, which is a major kind of headache. And that's something that they're not really good at. They make games and they make the, and they make these cool controllers. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I could totally see them being, you know, either a peripheral or, you know, controller-based, um, experience-based company where their console, um, you know, just kind of plugs into other platforms, you know, and infrastructures. I think ultimately if that, that sounds like that's the best way for them to sustain because um, I don't know how long Nintendo's model can last. And, you know, to, to be honest, as much as I love, you know, Nintendo software, I too have become a little bit cynical of the same notes that they keep hitting with all their games. So while I'm excited to hear that the new Mario is incredibly well, you know, reviewed and, and is great and all part of me wants to see more, you know, wants to see something else. Um, and there's, you know, no doubt I'll eventually play it. Um, it's just, I, you know, I think Nintendo as a company needs to, needs to kind of evolve, um, you know, past what they've been for such a long time and they've been great at it. I just think in the market, um, today, um, they're going to need to in order to sustain. So, right, but I, yeah, you know, and then I keep going back to like just the fact that there's a cyclical nature of consoles where they sure. they launch and you go, okay, I need to have one to two Mario titles per console. I need to have, mm -hmm. you know, a Zelda, uh, you know, Mario Kart, whatever. Mm -hmm. And if, if they just had a, a much more longer timeline, I think that that would break them of you know, that kind of repetitive cycle that they're on sure. where they just update that idea for a new generation. Sure. Each time. Well, well, and, and, and part of that is, I mean, that has to do with, you know, software, you know, development cycles. I, I think that, and it's, it's kind of a known fact, like the more the technology increases, um, the higher the budgets go for, you know, game development as does the, you know, timelines. So something like developing a new Mario, you know, yes, they probably could throw enough resources at it to do it annually, 
Um, but ultimately, I mean, most of their games are on anywhere between a two to four year, you know, life cycle. Um, so, you know, they're, they're trying to space them out. And I think part of it is just because, you know, A, you want to give enough time, I think, in between, you know, sequels. But I think it also lets them take a break and really kind of think through what they want the next iteration to be, as well as seeing and evaluating where technology is at that at that stage, um, you know. But you're right. I think they do kind of um, kind of plot out that if there's you know a new hardware um, you know coming out, they know they're going to have two Mario games, two Mario Karts, you know, etc. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. Like. Right. I wonder if, if the timeline is what's established first or whether it's um, uh, it just the pure fact that that's how long it takes to make games. You know, <laughs> it's right. hard to know. Right. Uh, the design of the Wii U. Let's talk about uh, the, huh? the, the hardware. Um, what, it, it's interesting because I, I, I wrote about this for Gizmodo and I think that piece is coming out in the next couple days or so Uh um in some ways it's kind of the first sequel console Uh (laughs) do you have a dog in the room with you (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah charlie (laughs) yeah he's Uh, he's he's panting and playing sorry (laughs) yeah that's cool um yeah i mean because like in some like it's it's so clearly delineated from the Wii, you know, uh-huh. it's, it's like they're definitely trying to make that bridge, uh, the console-wise. What what do you think of the design of uh, the Wii U? Um, I'm not a huge fan, um, to be honest. I think they, I, obviously they were trying to, you know, be inspired by the, you know, lineage of the, uh, of the, the original Wii. Um, but I think it looks a little clumsy. Like I think there were um, aspects to the design where they saw that we was successful. They went for this, you know, early Apple um, kind of inspired design and approach. They went for soft and approachable. Um, something if they stuck to white. Um, I know it's available in black as well. Um, but I think something about the shape really bothers me. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's the proportions. Like it's, it's. I believe it's just slightly wider. Um, then, uh, you know, then, then the actual disc, but then it's really deep. Um, so it's kind of got a shoebox, um, you know, proportion to it. And then the, uh, strange little curves on the side, it looks like they had literally, um, maybe created, uh, kind of a, a, a softened rounded edge shoebox and then stretched it up without changing the, you know, radii. So you get this weird kind of pillowing that's happening on the sides and yeah. it just seems really, really unresolved to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that is the thing. A lot of Nintendo's hardware has this issue where it just feels sloppy. Like uh-huh. they they, they want to have this one tight, you know, pure form idea, but then they have just like really kind of weird, you know, labeling of of buttons that you don't really need to label certain buttons. Uh-huh. And um, you know, especially like the front panel of the console, of the Wii U. It's like you've got that really hacky port cover. Oh yeah, it just it just it looks terrible. I mean, like it just flat yeah. looks terrible. You've got that yeah. like that red button on on the front that you know looks mm. like an emergency button, but really it's to like sync your controller <laughs> to the yeah device. And yeah, it's just all the it just feels bloated. It doesn't feel yeah like a nice form. Yeah. Um. 
it's and, a, and, yeah. Go ahead. And, and and personally, I'm I'm a little bummed that the um that it they're just using the Wii U controllers again. And it's it's not just for like uh, I'm not an advocate of you got to make change just to make change, but um, obviously they put all their innovation into the 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 tablet you know second screen controller. Yeah. Um, but then the fact that like most of the games I'm going to play, um, I just got to pull out, you know, an old, you know, Wiimote from the drawer and not even an old Wiimote. I have to upgrade the Wiimotes that I had from my original Wii because they have the advanced, you know, motion control built in. It just like to me, like that, that whole experience of just reusing like old stuff that I didn't love to begin with, I think is kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You know? What but, do you, uh, what do you yeah. think of the uh, the gamepad, the, uh, the their big controller with the yeah with the screen, the quasi touchscreen on it? It's like a, it's a resistive touchscreen. It's not the conductive or capacitive right. uh, touchscreen. Yeah, which so um, from a design standpoint, it's a lot more comfortable in in person than I thought. Yeah, um, which you know I was surprised. And the screen was actually nicer than I had anticipated. However, it does not hold a candle to, you know, a modern, you know, Apple screen as far as, you know, retina resolution. It, it, it's just not there. Right. It didn't look as um, good as the first iPad mini screen when it wasn't retina. Right. And now that the iPad mini has gone retina, it's going to look especially bad for. Yeah. And, and this thing's going to last for the next seven years is the thing. Yeah. It's, it's going to look even more and more uh, antiquated, the screen. Yeah, so like that's the thing. If you if you have a Wii U and you also have a Retina iPad, it already feels behind the times. Let alone ten years from now, or if, let's 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 be uh, hopeful five years from now, um, it's still not gonna um, it's still gonna look behind, and it's only gonna look worse five years from now. Right. Yeah. I wish uh, Nintendo would hire Naoto Fukusawa to become their oh, God. industrial design. That would be amazing. Doesn't that seem <laughs> obvious? Isn't that like why aren't they doing that right now? Sort of right. move. Because it's yeah. like it's like that's exactly the aesthetic they're trying to do, but they're failing. Yes. And it's like just hire this guy to do it because he'll do it for you perfectly, and he'll yeah. he'll clean up all the crap that you're not resolving. Yeah. And God, it's just so in in both their wheelhouses to like be working together. I just don't understand why they haven't done it yet. Yeah, the, and and that's the thing. I hope it's not because Nintendo is mistaking. Um, refined, elegant design for being non-family friendly or, or not approachable. I hope they're not internally making that mistake, um, right? Because it it doesn't have to be sloppy and goofy and horsey to be, you know, family friendly. <laughs> you right. know, I think you can have a very beautiful, uh, you know, beautifully designed con console and still have the market, the target market that they're aiming for. Yeah. What's What's sort of interesting is that they, you know, they've been on this. Um this sort of aesthetic that's sort of harkening back to where Apple was in 2001 mm -hmm. uh, or two with the original iPod mm -hmm. since uh, I think I, since the original Wii and it's, it's like they keep evolving, you know, they've stuck with it where Apple has kind of left it. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost become their own unique, you know, variant of, of it and so like in some sense it makes sense for nintendo yeah you know like of the three it's clearly they're the ones that, that are trying to make the approachable you know family friendly you know anyone can pick this stuff up and use it oh yeah console 
which which is funny though that while their design language says that that tablet controller with the screen in it that we just talked about I, you can't give that to your grandmother yeah you know? like i right. don't think she'll be able to figure it out you know right like whereas like the ipad you give that to someone and yeah. it's like it's like there's no buttons on it it's just the screen and it's just you know you can start yeah. tapping at it and kind of figuring out like this has like it's everything about you know, an Xbox controller, a PS4 controller, but with a giant screen on the middle of it. Right. Yeah. And it's super heavy. Yeah. 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 Very true. And the battery life. Um, most of the people I know that have a Wii U uh, are constantly having that thing plugged in. So while they're playing 10 feet away from their their screen, because uh, it's always dying on them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it, it's tough because it's, you know, like, honestly, I think Nintendo, like, if I could only own one console, it would probably be, and if I had to own the console strictly for games, it would probably be Nintendo, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those are the games I play. I'm, you know, right. uh, everyone, including my wife, likes to make fun of me for playing, uh, you know, <laughs> these kid games, but that's just, you know, they're like these puzzle games that I find interesting. It's not like, you know, I just don't get into first person shooters. Sure. So, like, you know, I want Nintendo to be great, and it just it gets really disappointing to me when they just they're so close but so far away with some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just feel that this product. I don't know if it seems rushed, but there's a lot of things in conflict. That whole family, you know, family friendly, but we're going to introduce this crazy controller that's 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 just not going to work, you know, for the masses. Um, you know, we're going to hearken on the Wii U, even up to the name, but then we're also going to confuse people because it looks like a peripheral add-on and not a true sequel to the Wii. Like, it just seems a lot of things were rushed. Yeah. A lot of decisions weren't really thought out. And I don't know if that's because they were just trying to be the first next-gen to the market or whether they saw that they kind of reached their peak of, of Wii sales and said, okay, you know, it's time to, you know, restoke that fire. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk PS4. PS4. Uh, yes. The I think the biggest surprise with PS4 is that Sony went all in on games. Whereas the kind of like historically they um they've been the ones to lead with the kind of the media features, you know, yeah. like the PS2 kind of popularized DVD. Yeah. For a lot of people that was their first DVD player. Um the PS3 was the first kind of mass product that people bought with blu-ray although blu-ray has uh-huh. never really kind of reached the same status as um sure dvd but the ps3 also had a lot of kind of the netflix hulu type stuff that uh-huh. you know certainly the other consoles picked up eventually yeah. um but this time they kind of stripped a lot of that functionality out and they've focused solely on the games which is kind of interesting yeah, yeah, that that I mean, I agree. That's definitely the most surprising to me. Um, I know Sony like to really tout the fact that their uh, PS3 Netflix app was um, the most popular way that customers experience Netflix. Yep. Uh, which is you know crazy when you think about it, but then when you really start to you know analyze that, a lot of it was due to the fact that um, there was no paywall. Um, like there is, you know, you know, on the Xbox. In order to use Netflix, you have to be an Xbox Live, you know, Goldman, you know, which is a paid subscription. Um, but still, you know, impressive nonetheless. That you know, of all the ways that you can experience Netflix, they come in freaking TVs now, for God's sakes. That 
PS3 was, you know, the leading platform. Right. Um, but but yeah, complete 180 here in regards to their they focus now. I'm, yeah, they don't. Does Netflix even work right now on PS4 at launch? I I if 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 it does, um, right, I got I got to look it, this up. It, Keep talking. Yeah, because if it does, it was not advertised, and from some you know reviews that I've seen, um, they've really went all in on games, and it shows. As far as their, it's funny they went in on games, but did not have great launch software, but. Um, they stripped out kind of all of the big things that people were using you know, PS3s for, such as streaming um, their you know, media libraries, um, where people would kind of rip all of their DVDs onto their computers and, and kind of stream them over to their PS3 that was connected to the TV. Um, a lot of people organized their digital libraries that way. Um, it turns out that was stripped out. Um, I want to say, yeah, a lot of those apps might not be available. Uh, no, and if, all right. Yeah, they're available. Available. Yeah, they are available. Sorry, let, let's just basically strike from the conversation the past yeah. two minutes. But yeah, um, but yeah, they've they, you can't download a, uh, a TV episode and from like your torrent and kind of throw it on your PS4. So it's like a, no, it sounds like they got rid of like a lot of the kind of piracy type. Yeah, stuff. yeah, and 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 kind of their retort to to all those folks that are you know upset about that is that well you know you can buy music off the Sony store you can buy videos off the Sony store and <laughs> right. um and, and you know obviously I don't you know advocate any sort of piracy it's just that um it's clear uh, where their focus is they don't want to be known as the entertainment machine as it can do it of course it can do it right is is you know what they'll say but um they really want to differentiate you know on games Yep. Um, and uh, so I I don't have one, but I did see one. Um, I don't know if if you know um, you know Chris and Christy are in town. They're staying with us oh. um, this weekend, and Chris <laughs> he brought his PS4. Um, and <laughs> what's funny is he uh, I think the reason he brought it is because he says of how small uh, the console is, um, and it was something you know seeing it in person. Uh, it was much smaller than I actually, you know, had anticipated. Yeah, uh, it, it fit in his carry-on bag. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about the design of the PlayStation because yeah. it's really interesting. I love the console. I think the console yeah. is super great. Um, yeah, definitely my favorite of the three consoles that launched this generation. Yeah, uh, I, I think what I like about it the most is it doesn't look like technology so much. It looks like kind of like this piece of modernist architecture that you stick on yeah. your mantle uh which is great yeah yeah and, and the um, the console really shines in the vertical you know orientation yeah um and they're the only they're the only console that did vertical this time which i thought was yeah. really funny yeah you know that seems like such a you know after last generation where all three of them did the vertical and then before that mm -hmm. only, the P, only the ps2 really did vertical yeah, um, but it seemed like that was like what a game console looked like. It was, it was just this vertical thing, and it made it kind of feel like this special thing. And so, for, yeah, for the other ones not to do it and just kind of go kind of flat pizza box, mm -hmm. style, uh, it definitely makes the PS4 feel special when it does that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And and there is a there is an elegance to um, how the console has been you know designed and you know constructed. I think. There's there's a nice attention to detail. The material transitions and parting lines are really well thought out, really beautiful. Um, they hide a lot of their slop in the 
um, there's like this center gap where you have the two the two planes that are then pushed, you know, to be into that you know par- parallelogram shape. Yep. Um, there's a, there's a large gap in between them that the you know USB ports are in, um, and and some venting, and they hide a lot of their slop there. Um, one of the things I noticed was um, the disk drive. Uh, no, sorry, not the disk drive. The fan. There's an exhaust fan. Um, that then has a, a cowl, you know, a, a you know concentric cowl that you can see just kind of peeking out of the um, of that gap that, that I'm describing, mm. and it's a nice way. It, it's, it's a nice way to hide it. You catch it in in, in some weird light, you know. Right. I originally, you know, noticed it and, and told Chris, I'm like, hey, Chris, what what is this? This looks like it's it's been damaged or it's been you know bulging. Um, and it turns out, you know, that's all it was, was the fan cowl, but it's, it was, it was smart to hide it the way that they did. And only someone who's, you know, only an industrial designer who's picking it up and spinning it around is really ever going to notice, um, you know, which, which was neat. Um, I I will say I am a little baffled by the way that they handled the power and the check buttons. They are right. Yeah. Like they, they are like, I think it's very cool with where they place them. And conceptually, I love that it's tied into a, you know, LED bar right. that runs, runs the top of the console. But I've heard mysterious, I've heard several um, reports from people that they inadvertently hit the wrong button all the time. And when you think power inject hitting the wrong button, there is, you know, not, not only slightly annoying, but, you know, oh, de- you know, deal breaking, uh, you know, in the sense, you know, you're, you're in the middle of something and you go to, you know, switch out a game or something and it turns the whole thing off. It's, it, you know, is it that it's easy to, to accidentally hit it or that you just, maybe they don't, they're not familiar enough with the console yet and they forget which one's which. Yeah, uh, probably a little both. So they're very close to each other, okay. like to where if you put your finger right in between both buttons, you will hit them both. Oh, um, okay. yeah. So, so like they're not even a full digit, you know, apart, yeah. um, you know, as, as far as the spacing goes, but yeah, but then also, um, not very clearly labeled. They have tiny, tiny, tiny logos of, you know, the eject and power, you know, logos that are just, um, you know, very easy to miss. Um, hmm. but, um, and it, I think part, partly the slant also kind of, um, it makes that a little easier to hit the wrong one. So it's just, you know, a couple, in a couple factors, I think I'll put together that. Yeah, uh, it's funny they didn't make it um, sort of like pivot along that center flo- mm-hmm. floating point. So then, if you hit it in the center, you're not actually hitting one or the other. So you have to kind of go to the further points. Yeah. To actually activate the button. Yeah, yeah, but you know that's that that's minor. I think the only other potential hardware thing that 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 may annoy some people is the. The fact that when you're plugging in cables, and granted, you should only really be doing this, you know, one or two times, possibly throughout the, you know, console's lifetime. But when you're plugging in cables um, from your TV, you know, your audio cables, your power cables, all that stuff, the parallelogram shape actually makes it very hard um, to reach behind the console and plug in. So you can't do it blind. You certainly have to turn the console around and make sure you, you know, line up the ports you know, appropriately because the, because the console's top edge overhangs over the port holes. Um, it's, it's hard to, you know, kind of, you know, feel around in there because they're, you know, inset quite a bit. Um, but, but that that, that feels pretty minor though. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I, I I do like how they cleaned up those ports on the back where they kind of integrated it into the vents. Yes. Into the venting. That's such a nice detail because, Ports are such an easy, uh, not easy. They're really hard to deal with. 
Yes. Um, because there's sort of this necessary evil you need to kind of obviously need to have a port to connect things into at, at least yeah. at this point in technology. Um, but they're just they're usually the ugliest things to kind of maneuver, oh, yeah. and you can only kind of do so much with them. But so to integrate them into that, those ports, I thought was a clever way to kind of clean them up and make them feel a little bit more part of the console and less just sort of like a hole in the in the side. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, you know, to be in complete contrast to Nintendo's Wii U, I mean, Sony really thought about all of these details, and it's clear they had a point of view on what they wanted their console to look like. Um, you know, to, to, to your point, I think the design language is not trying to be the media center because that's no longer Sony's strategy with the PlayStation 4. Um, they do want to stand out. They want you to put it, you know, in a vertical orientation. They want it to look like a, you know, modernist, you know, building. Um, and it's, you know, it's working for them. I think that, I think that clear point of view and, and that stance that they took was really popular with, you know, with gamers, you know, this generation, I think the sales kind of speak to that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, let's, if I just say one more thing about the console before we move on to the controller and to the, their, their eye, uh, you know, kind of the, the hard thing when you kind of deal with technology is that everything kind of wants to be a box because that's the most efficient way sure. to deal with uh, a motherboard and a lot of components are just all rectangular shaped. And so, you know, a lot of times you're the job of the designers to kind of try to figure ways to split up that box in an interesting way to kind of make it feel smaller or more, you know, interesting in in, in some way. And, what, and I think what they did was really cool with... One with the parallelogram, but even beyond that, the way they kind of section this thing, you know, right down the mm -hmm. the longi longitudinally and kind of have it instead of like one box, it feels like two thin slabs kind of hovering yeah. next to each other. And then they kind of asymmetrically cut it again and then have that one glossy quadrant mm -hmm. kind of it, it really breaks it up really oh, yeah. nice. And, you know, even even the the, uh, the eject and the power buttons might be a little tricky i think the fact that they integrated that right into that into um, the seam into that yeah. seam i think yeah. that takes away a lot of the technology feel of it and that's what kind of gives it the modernist you know monolithic sculpture type mm -hmm. vibe which is really nice yeah the the rest of the stuff of the ps4 is really kind of baffling mm -hmm. to me because the, it's they're interesting by themselves right but when you look at it together it's like <laughs> Were the people that designed the controller talking to the people that were designing the console or the IT? Because it just nothing looks like it belongs together. It's like really, no. it's really weird. Even yeah. if they're kind of good by themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that the controller has pretty much universally been been touted as Sony's best controller they've ever made. Yeah. Um, and having felt it, you know, this weekend, I'll, I'll definitely you know echo that. I think it is incredibly ergonomic it is um it just fits your hand to the point that, that where you forget it's even there they fix literally every problem that the old dualshock controllers of which i was never a huge fan um they fixed all of that and it's become a very desirable controller but it looks nothing nothing like the console it shares none of the design language it doesn't even try to um even evoke some of the you know uh material changes and hard you know transitions because obviously it wouldn't make sense to have a modernist architecture building controller 
because obviously that would not be it would not fit the hand it would not suit the task um, that that it needs to accomplish right. but there are ways you can reference it um, where to your point I'm convinced that there were two separate teams that probably had a few check-ins here and there and and uh, didn't make it a point to make sure that they match you know yeah well I mean there there's this thing that kind of happened for industrial designers at some point where you know, ergonomics kind of started becoming synonymous with, with like blobby things. Right. <laughs> and like, it has to look very kind of blobby to be comfortable in the hand. And that's totally not true. I mean, you can make no. any, any shape can be ergonomic as long as it's kind of, you know, designed for its task yeah. to be used in the right way. And I think that they just veered too much of it needs to look comfortable rather than mm -hmm. it needs to just be comfortable and look like part of the system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. They, uh, they swung way too hard and, uh, you know, swung way too hard to the extreme. Um, and, and, and it's funny cause visually when you see the controller, you assume again, due to the soft, you know, geometry and the contours, you assume that that controller has some degree of soft touch, but it actually does not. Um, it's, it's, a, that's what it's I was a gonna ask. What's, what's on the bottom of the, uh, is it, <laughs> is it grippy or what is that? It is slightly grip, grippy. It's like a micro perforated kind of little grid pattern of the same durometer plastic that's being used on the rest of the controller. It's just in a gray tone and then has that texture. So it's hard. Um, it's not, it's hard. It okay. is not soft. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I was, uh, I was shocked by that. Well, that's actually good. Cause I was thinking that that was just going to get really gross. After... Super gross. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's good. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, good news from that front. And as I mentioned, it, it is very, very comfortable. I'm glad they didn't go for a tackier surface. There is a grip to it, but because it's a hard plastic still, it's not as, as gross as, as you would think. And the, uh, and the thumbsticks are, are great. Those are really grippy. And those probably will be really gross, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, over time. Um, but but they they fixed a lot there. I, I'm still a fan of the more you know a, a asymmetrical you know dual stick. I think there's something like, about having, like uh, like Microsoft has on the yeah, Xbox. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel when I first started when I first experienced that type of controller, I think it felt that because most games um, definitely um, veer towards preferring the analog stick. I think having that in a primary location, you know, where your thumb is most naturally rested on top of it is ultimately what feels better to me. Um, but the, again, Sony's made huge strides, I think, in their spacing of, the, of their thumbsticks, not just the, the, the design of them themselves, but where they place them so that your hand still does feel like it's naturally resting. Um, in in the you know ideal you know position so. mm -hmm. yeah. yeah uh what did you think of, there's a there's kind of like a small touchpad on yes. the controller what did you think of that the, the that touch screen was was nice um i think it was pretty well integrated uh, into the controller it kind of um it kind of wraps around um so it's it's on the, the front face of the controller so that it's within easy access to your thumbs and then by default, I think, as a means of trying to hide the hinge mechanism that that enables it to act like a button. So the entire touch surface is a button as oh, well. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So it, it actually overhangs and 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 kind of uh, kind of wraps a little bit around to the top of the controller as well. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it's nice. Has a really nice texture to it. They put some kind of a you know little uh, screen printed. Uh, 
you know, graphic of, of some sort, you know, a texture pattern. But what's weird, again, is they there introduced a new texture that was, you know, nowhere to be found on either, you know, either accessory or the console. Um, so it's, you know, it's a little odd. I, I don't know if it needs the texture. Um, you know, it might so that you can kind of reference where you are in space or, or what. But, you know, Apple's proven you can have a, you know, mirror glass, you know, smooth surface and it's, you know, yeah. it, it works. <laughs> so... A little baffling there of, of, of what they did uh, with that touchscreen, but it feels good, you know, um, you know, pretty, uh, pretty responsive on screen. So, yeah. And then is there anything to note about the ITV other than it looks like a big Tootsie Roll? That's it. I think it's the, they literally modeled it, <laughs> you know, off of a giant Tootsie Roll. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, it's already pre-segmented, right? So that you can, you know, rip it off into bite-sized pieces. So that's, uh, <laughs> right. that was the design intent. Um, it, it, again, really like it conceptually from what they were trying to do with that design was that they wanted to introduce some sort of modularity to it such that you can twist some of the segments so that you can position um, the camera to whatever you know the conditions of your living room would be. So if you needed it to tilt down, you would, you would tilt uh, and twist one of those end modules so that you can angle the camera down. Oh, so it's uh, not like the connect where the connect kind of adjusts its position. No. You adjust the the position. You adjust the... it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And 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 the what, what is nice is I like how, you know, the the wire that 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 comes out of it is, you know, it looks like it is a, you know, module. So it 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 comes out of one of the segments perfectly, you know, aligned and and centered, you know, within the segment. It, it, the, the design is very intentional. Um, it just, again, just does not match the console or the controller. Yeah. Um, yep. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so again, it's like by itself, that's actually kind of a cool design. You know, it is. You know, yeah. It's, it's fine to look like a big Tootsie Roll because I think it looks, you know, like they did a good job of kind of resolving those different segments. Yeah. But it just doesn't feel part of like, I mean, that thing could look sharp and angular, just like the PS4, especially more than the controller. Like that, yeah. the control, the, the camera, that I uh, camera could mm-hmm. almost look exactly like the PS4 and tie directly into it. Oh, totally. totally so it's, it's, it's so weird that it's again, feels like another team touched it. Yeah. It's it gotta be, gotta be a different team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else about PS4 before we move on to Xbox? PS4, I think in, in, in summary, um, each individual piece was really well done. I just don't think they necessarily work together as a product family. Um, you know, I think the, you know, to your point, the console is, you know, one of the stronger, um, you know, uh, and, and I do think Sony's always kind of pushing the, you know, architectural, um, note because I feel every single one of their consoles could be a, uh, corporate building in Shanghai. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, totally. so yeah, but yeah, no, you know, overall, you know, really nice. I'll, I'll, I'll eventually get one. You know, again, it, for me, it comes down to you know the software. Um, but yeah, I'll be uh, you know keeping tabs on it. Yeah, it's looking good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Xbox One. Yep. Um. So it's definitely the most ambitious in terms of what it's trying to achieve of the big three i mean it's it's, yeah. st- it's still a game console but it's just basically it's basically trying to take over all of the duties <clears throat> of every other box in your yeah in your house which i th- i mean that's clearly where 
the living room is going. There's going to be one yes. box that does that. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that Microsoft is is doing that good on them because that's you know they they recognize where the uh, where it's all going and it's kind of why they yeah. got into it in the first place. They they've known oh, yeah. this for years. Yeah. Um. But it is a little bit limited just because you know like everyone else they are reliant on getting content from yeah other places so the cable companies kind of limit like this they, mm-hmm. they, they have a guide that will allow you to interact with your cable box mm-hmm. but it's, been, it's essentially a skin that goes over any functionality that box has and there's a little bit of a delay when you do something with that to, right so, and, 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 yeah. and and you still get little peaks of the horrible native UI, you know, underneath it from yeah. your you know cable box. The, the cable box UI, not the yes, not the, yes, yeah, yeah, not yeah. the Xbox UI. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's let's just talk about the design, I guess, of the, of the mm-hmm. of the one. What mm-hmm. do you think? What do you think of the console? So, um, full disclosure, this is the one that I actually have. Um, you know, in my home. So I, I did pre-order, um, you know, an Xbox one and you have it already. And I do. Yeah. I set it up on, on Friday. So seeing, seeing it in person, well, you know, from this, um, because I do own it, I think we, we can start even before the console, uh, the packaging. Yeah. So the box itself. So, um, I got a day one version, which comes in a special, uh, black, black box. So it's a really nice black box. They're again playing with the whole matte and shiny thing that that Sony's playing with in their console, as well as you know the Xbox One. Um, that that balance of uh, matte and shiny materials is evident in the box. Um, definitely one of the nicer boxes I've seen from Microsoft. Um, I have not experienced a Surface box in person, but I heard those were um, pretty nice as well. Um, but uh, everything's packaged really well, and when you first open it. The first thing you see, besides the you know the the logo and and you know images of the console, is the very top of the Connect. So the Connect is kind of seen there, and in mm. in a in, in a very interesting choice. Like, I don't know if it was on purpose, probably, but I think it's it's saying to them that like this is the key to our kingdom. Like this is what we think is going to be our Trojan horse to get you that connected living room that you know we all want or think we want um that they're very proud of the connect and it was something that they uh, now of course sell their xbox one with the connect in the box um it's no longer a peripheral that's optional and by doing that i think they can guarantee to all future developers and future development is that you have that camera so you know you you might as well use it whereas if it was an optional you know, accessory, there's no reason why a developer would necessarily spend the extra time and money um, to develop um, for that piece of equipment. That, that, that is not a guarantee. Yeah. So, so I do think a lot of that speaks to um, how, how they package the unit and um, how they designed all these elements as a true product family. So the console itself, um, as I mentioned, plays off of both this matte and shiny you know, interplay. They have these, you know, intersecting planes. Um, I will say they didn't handle the matte and shiny necessarily as sophisticated. Uh, it, it did not come across as sophisticated as, as Sony. Um, but I do like the box. Um, and I think it really comes to life when you put it next to the rest of your kind of home entertainment equipment. It disappears, but it is not afraid to be the most elegant 
um, of all those black boxes. Right. And, and and the reason I say that is that you get some really nice. Um, there's not a lot of branding on the Xbox. Literally, it is their new simplified Xbox logo, which is really nice because how they do it is um, on this shiny half, on the shiny front half of the f- the front face of the Xbox One. They have a kind of a mirrored um, logo, and then that logo gets backlit in white. Yeah, you know what? You know when it turns on. So and it, it, it's it's mirrored, really but then nice. it becomes backlit. Yes, okay, yes, that's and, kind of and interesting. That, and again, as a credit to how Microsoft designed these as a family, the same is true on the Connect, and the same is true on the controller. Um, is that all those Xbox buttons are doing the same thing. So, you know, whether or not they're the, they're the exact same you know, material, they're both doing the same thing, where the logo is visible when there is no backlight. But again, it's, it's not in your face. It's very subtle. Um, and then when it's on, it's, you know, definitely in your face. But I think because of how it looks like it's underneath the surface, um, it ends up looking pretty elegant. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, really, really nice details. You know, in the box, um, it is big. That you know, that is something that you'll see kind of over and over uh, from people comparing it and the PS4. Is that it is significantly larger. Um, uh, it's a. T- I mean, think of proportions of an old VCR. Like literally, that's <laughs> that. That's yeah. what we're talking from. You know, an overall dimension standpoint. Right. Yeah, and I think that that's the most interesting aspect of the design of the. Xbox One is the idea that they were trying to make it fit into your entertainment center. Mm-hmm. Or it looks like a component of that. And I think the the thing that's hanging me up about that is of the three, like Microsoft's the only one that's trying to, you know, become this true next gen experience of controlling everything about your entertainment system. Sure. So in that world, those boxes don't really exist anymore. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. it's fitting into a world that it is killing. Right. And so <laughs> why, 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 yeah. why, why blend into that? Why not, like, why not have the outside say what the inside's trying to do? You know sure. I mean? where, where, where it looks meaningfully different because it is different. Yeah. And, and. And so what, you know, of course, it's going to be, you know, my opinion, what, what I think the reason is of why they didn't do that is they don't want to repeat hardware failure rate that they had with the Xbox 360. Sure. Um, and so for them and, and my, you know, um, um, my, my slight insight into, into the process of how uh, the console was created is I know that. They definitely had the industrial design team kind of off and, and, you know, trying to develop that design language. Meanwhile, the, you know, hardware and engineering teams kind of started from the inside out and said, okay, for us to not have these overheating problems, we need a ginormous fan. (laughs) And, and that fan, like they took kind of those modular components and said, okay, we need a giant fan. We need this, we need that. And they kind of created, um, their optimal layout of those internal components. And then they kind of cross-referenced those along with the, you know, outer industrial design um, and tried to find parity there as to what would complement, yeah. you know, both. Um, and and so I, I think because maybe they're trying to play it safe, I think 
Um, that in the future, if there are you know future Xboxes, I, I do think that they will try to be more integrated, more seamless, um, speak more to their message. But I think they're they're scared <laughs> from a you know hardware reliability standpoint. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, you, you know, know. And, and I get that. You know, I mean, like they had some major failures with uh, you know Red Rings of Death in their in their um, yeah in the three sixty, but it, it yeah it's. It's definitely an engineering-led design as opposed to uh, industrial design-led yeah. design. I, yeah. mean, that, I mean, I don't think that's controversial to say at all. I mean, it's clear, yeah. like when you see like an unboxing of it, there is probably the biggest fan I've ever seen in a oh, God. in a consumer yeah. electronic um, device on the inside yeah. there. Uh, all the venting patterns, you know, it's 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 like a very conventional how you how an electron. Uh, a box that acts as a computer should be laid out, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, yes, you know, PC 101. Like, the board is flat. The everything is flat. Uh, yeah. the, the the ports hang off the, the a single board. Um, you know, so it, it's it's extremely conventional. Um, and so yes. maybe the design team just did not have a lot to work with from the beginning. Yeah. Um, from that aspect, what's interesting is that if you think of you know, if you just describe what the PlayStation 4 console is and the Xbox One console, like they sound identical. Yeah. Right? Like philosophically, it's like, okay, we tried to make a black box appear smaller than it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we did that by cutting it up into sections mm -hmm. and using matte and glossy textures to help break up those sections. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think where the console falls down in achieving that for me is that they just cut it up into so many different sections of the xbox one yeah and then instead of kind of unifying those sections into appearing smaller they started doing this checkerboard thing where the top quadrants gloss the front one kind of changes which side becomes gloss and then the mat kind of reverses and there's venting yeah and so that checkerboarding starts to diminish you know what the sectioning is trying to achieve and making it appear smaller and yeah. it, it, like it brings the size back out like it brings your eyes back out into what it is so instead of looking uh -huh. like maybe two smaller boxes attached to each other look it still looks like one larger box yeah yeah like if 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 i were to kind of um you know make some form recommendations to you know the, the outer box i think the front face could have remained all glossy there's really no reason to section that off like they did or or just uh, have yeah. one side be completely glossy and the other side yeah. be completely matte and just right yeah i i, I just don't yeah. understand why they didn't do that yeah because the, the 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 top you know i totally understand why the top is sectioned the way it is because literally because of that giant fan the entire top is a you know uniquely designed you know perforated Right. Uh, you know, grill essentially, um, and then there's a really um, what 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 is nice is when you primarily see it, you're seeing it from the top. So in my case, it's in my you know entertainment cabinet stack. Um, so I'm really only seeing from a three quarter view. I'm really only seeing the the front face and a little bit of the side. And what's nice about that view is they did a nice job with the bottom chamfer. So mm -hmm. they actually chamfered it out such that it. Um, once that Xbox light, you know, the, the, the logo turns on, um, when it's in use, 
you get this kind of really nice like hovering effect where again in an effort to make it look smaller that bottom chamfer does make it seem like it's hovering so really all your focus is on that xbox light and the glossy um you know rectangle that it sits within yeah um so in 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 that effort it does do a good job of trying to disappear um you know somewhat yeah it, the other, I guess, last note on the on the console is that it's it's kind of um, just in terms of design trends, industrial design trends. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, it, it's kind of it's this rugged minimalism that's kind yeah. of really prevalent right now, where you see it a lot of, uh, um, like a Bell and Ross type watch, mm-hmm. or. Um, this stuff, oh God, why am I forgetting Minimal's brand? Um, they're, um, they're, uh, all their cases that they've done for the yeah. iPhone. What, yep. why, what's the name of the brand? Why am I forgetting this? Um, it's not, it's not, it's not Lunar right now. No, no, um, no. It's uh, TikTok. TikTok, yeah. TikTok. Yeah. Um, that, that stuff, um, you know, it, it's a similar type feel where it's looking, it's like very, it's very modern, but also very masculine at the same time where it's like these, yes. these kind of severe chamfers. So yeah, it's tough because I feel like they detailed the box. Nice. Like it's, it's, comp- uh-huh. it's, it's well tailored, but it might be the wrong suit for what they're trying to uh-huh. for, for the occasion. You know what I mean? So it's like, they, yeah, yeah. they wore a tux to a kind of, you know, casual summer wedding or something like that you know what right, i mean like that's right. kind of the analogy i'm trying to yeah it just yeah, doesn't it just it just doesn't yeah it's tough yeah yeah and 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 definitely seeing it in isolation versus seeing it kind of you know in the home um because i don't have a you know ps4 to, to kind of compare it to I'm, I'm curious to see what both of them will look like kind of in my you know center stack and right. and seeing if either one calls more attention you know, to itself, because, you know, ultimately the only reason I ever look at it, um, is if I put a disc into the console, which as of which I have not done yet, because I'm kind of sticking to a, you know, digital, you know, all digital kind of, you know, delivery system, or, um, just to make sure that because I, I am one of those edge users that has, um, you know, a full, you know, AV, you know, receiver, just to make sure that when I'm using my Harmony remote on it, or when I tell the Xbox to turn on through the Connect, that I need that sort of feedback of the power light coming on. So that's really the only time I'm ever looking at the console. Yeah. Um, so you know, it'll be interesting to see how these designs kind of um, withstand the test of time. So if if you imagine, and let's consider the timeline of some of the older console generations. Say it's around for five years, even though I know they'd like it to be ten. Right. But um, they'll they'll you know, probably also, you know, they'll come out with a, you know, Xbox one, you know, slim or something like that where it'll oh, be, yeah. you know, because th- they they're doing that now with every couple of years, they'll reduce a yeah. smaller and smaller version until they, you know, restart the, the, the generation again. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it'll be nice to, to see. Um, I think as an overall product family, though, um, Xbox really that you could tell that the team. Yes, the same same team that made the console, made the Kinect, and made the controller. Yep, um, they were all in complete, you know, harmony and thought of as as a system to begin with. Um, you know, Xbox would not have sold the one without the Kinect. You know, like you could tell the two of them are meant to be together, mm-hmm. um, which is you know that 
the good news is, is that is exactly what their marketing strategy is. It's exactly what their business strategy is. And the good news is it's also what their, you know, design strategy, you know, came to be as well, which is nice when you see that kind of, you know, harmony across those touch points. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is one thing Microsoft has always been outstanding at is making all the components feel part of a system and it and the controller especially i think is just like this kind of answers the the thing about sony's controller for me is that yeah. like where it's like sony tried to look ergonomic <clears throat> and you know is ergonomic the xbox one controller is ergonomic but doesn't necessarily yes. look at it just, but it looks very sleek yeah it looks very you know it looks like kind of like it went on a you know like a, a cross training diet from the, from the last yeah. one and it just yeah. it just looks very kind of stealth yeah and um yeah they made like a, a lot of nice little uh updates to that controller which i mean was my was my favorite one to begin with yeah from the um from the 360 and just kind of made it even tighter and better yeah, the, the, there's a lot of sleek, very sharp lines um, that they're using on the actual controller. But, of course, because it was designed intelligently, none of those sharp edges are ever up against your skin. Yep. Um, so all of the contours are kind of you know, on the back side of the controller, on the bottom edges of the controller, anywhere where your hand is actually touching it. So then they actually, in, in every opportunity where they had to put a sharp line to kind of reinforce the very sleek and stealth and to make references back to the console... They did it on parts where your hand is not touching, which yep. is great. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else to say about the about the Xbox? I mean, so you you purchased it. What do you what do you think about it so far? I mean, so far it's been uh, it's it's been good. I, I do think what ends up happening is that um, you know during launch times. Um, there's not a whole lot of great software. Most most consoles are kind of known for not. Uh, something about launch titles always tend to not be the best of games. Um, maybe they were rushed. Um, maybe their timelines were cut so that they matched the you know console release date. Um, so for me, um, the software isn't there yet. Um, there's nothing that I'm dying to play. Um, I think I bought a game out of boredom. <laughs> What'd you buy? You know, uh, Dead Rising 3. Um, okay. And the reason I went there is I felt um, part of the console's, um, you know, power and the things that are next gen, quote unquote, right, are going to be in, in, you know, how much, how many characters can be drawn on screen, you know, how many particle effects, but, you know, all these very technical uh, signals that, that the console was more powerful. Um, but ultimately, the experiences have not been groundbreaking yet. What has been groundbreaking for me is the Connect and being able hmm. to actually interface with the console via the Connect. Um, that what, when it works, and the reason I say when it works is there is some calibration you have to do to it, such that so that it works within your living room. It it captures the proper you know noise references um, of that space so that it can tune the the microphone to hear you. So you shouldn't be shouting you know, at, at the connect. Um, so I, I had to play around with that quite a bit. And because I have, you know, guests, you know, in the house, the house was never quiet. So I feel like the, the, uh, the calibration was never perfect. Um, but when it is working, 
you know, once I got it working, it's, it's really cool how much you can actually control via your voice. Mm-hmm. And I know some people always say, well, you know, I could do it faster f- with buttons on a controller. Right. And I would argue, no, you can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, there are some interactions um, on the Kinect that would take four to five button presses to do and what you could say in a single phrase. Um, and that single phrase, the beauty of that is, is, of course, you can be doing something else in the meantime. If you use the controller, all of your actions are being taken up um, by the thing you're trying to accomplish, so there is no multitasking. Um, whereas you can be doing something on your controller and say something via voice and then be, for example, pulling up a web page while you're you know, watching a movie or pulling up a web page while you're playing a game. Um, making a Skype call, you know, while you're, you know, doing something else, you know, adjusting settings. Um, the, the, they really took this kind of, um, you know, multitasking approach and the connect really enables you to do a lot of that. Um, there's something really magical of like, you know, getting up to go answer a phone and being able to say Xbox pause. Um, and you know, it'll pause your game. It'll take you out to the homepage and not lose, um, you know, a step. Hmm. Um, so that, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were very cynical about the Kinect. The first gen was not, um, the best piece of, of hardware. Um, but I think they nailed it with, uh, with this go around. I think there's so much potential. So, you know, as a designer thinking through kind of what are all the new experiences that they can enable with the Kinect, it's really exciting. And I think that's, this is their Trojan horse. You know, this is how you get, um, folks that aren't hardcore gamers and aren't super familiar with 20 button controllers, you know, how do you get them to be able to interface with all the, the products and services, um, that your platform offers. Right. So things, you know, things like Netflix, I could say, you know, pull up Netflix. I could even tell you, I could even tell the connect the exact show that I'm trying to find. Um, and it'll search across all of the different, you know, digital services to tell me where I can get it for free. You know, so, you know, for example, I want to see, a, you know, Iron Man 3 and I'll tell Connect to do that and it'll tell me, OK, well, it's on Netflix, it's on Hulu as well, and it's on the, the video store for, you know, five ninety nine. you know, make your choice. Interesting. And, okay, which cool. is, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a smart, it's a smart new way to interact um, with services that we have uh, been very familiar with. Um, so voice control, I think overall is, is where I'm personally most excited about. I have no doubt that Microsoft is going to secure excellent games for the, you know, hardcore audience. Um, one of the ones I'm looking forward to next year is Titanfall has kind of been the most buzzed about, um, Mm. you know, shooter type game. Um, and that's definitely for the hardcore audience. Um, so while I'm looking forward to that, I'm also looking forward to what are all the really cool things that Kinect is going to be able to, you know, enable for the for the platform what their cloud computing they've invested a lot in their cloud computing services i'm curious to see how that's going to give them more advanced artificial intelligence how that's going to offload some processing um just you know a lot of cool potential i I feel out of all of them uh, out of all the consoles microsoft is looking more to the future had much more ambition yeah and put and put the foundational steps in place so that they can meet that eventually it's not there right now, but the but the building blocks are there, you yeah. know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so you're you've already bought an Xbox One. Is there? Are you? 
Do you think you'll get one of the other ones? Yeah, I do think it's going to be hard for me to resist um, a PS4 hmm. uh, when um, Naughty Dog uh, releases their next game. So for me, um, the last kind of hurrah of the PS3 was um, the game uh, The Last of Us. I don't know if you, if, if you've heard of it or no. or uh, have played it yourself. Um, it it it's a, it's you know an action style kind of game, um, but he- heavily cinematic, very theatrical, amazing performances. Like like where I think Naughty Dog, out of all the you know video game you know developers out there, really captures the whole um, digital actor. Thing. And and the reason is because they they uh, fully record in motion capture all of their performers um, as if they were doing like a real play. You know, they use real props and they digitize them such that they're using the actual performances of the actors. So there is no kind of loss in translation when you know an animator gets into the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, you know, it's it's just become a, a developer I've come to respect. They tell amazing stories. I still think um, that game is probably one of my favorite of this you know generation. Um, one of the best endings to a, vi- a video game period. You know, um, just 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 a great you know experience. So yeah. seeing seeing what they come up with next with the PS4, I think um, once they you know, do release something, I think it's going to be hard for me to avoid getting a PS4. So, um, so for me, it comes down to, you know, content. So what, what content is going to sell the system for me? Um, same would apply to, you know, Nintendo. I think that (laughs) once a new Mario Kart comes out, I don't think Melissa will let me not get one. (laughs) Yeah. And what, and she's amazing at them. So why wouldn't she want to get that to kill everyone with it? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. How about yourself? Uh, you know, I just am not playing that many games lately, and I and yeah. part and partly is you know I just don't do first person shooters. Sure. Um, I just get really bored with them. Yeah. Um, and so like that kind of leaves me in the Nintendo world. Like mm-hmm. I, I love I love Mario. I love Zelda. Um. But I also just don't feel like I've got the time to really devote to like a really long game, sure. Anymore, like actually, the the favorite my favorite game I've been playing recently is are the Rayman games that have been yeah uh, released for uh, iOS. I think are really yeah. good, and actually for I played it on an Xbox too. So right now I've got a I've got a a Wii and I have a Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in no rush to upgrade to anything in particular. I'm, in fact, I don't even have the Wii plugged in anymore since we moved. I only, yeah. I only have the 360 plugged in, and, yeah. and I primarily use that just for doing Netflix and um, Hulu. Hulu, yeah. And I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, man, it seems stupid to have this giant Xbox 360 out when all I really need is like a Apple TV, Apple or, a, TV. <laughs> or a Roku to kind of do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I feel like I'm, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still love playing games. I just don't have the time to devote to it. And, but like when I'm on a train or something, it's like, I can just get into Raymond and that's like, (laughs) it's just like exactly what I need to kind of get my fix. And yeah. Yeah. 
Um, definitely. But if I if I had to get one of the next ones, I'd probably go Xbox One because mm-hmm. it's it's the most media. Yeah. You know, kind of focused one, and I, you know, I think that they're trying to do some interesting things with the cable stuff. But I've honestly stopped using cable since we moved to. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's um. You know, it's, it's it's a very interesting time, like I think, with, with, with games, you know, period, I, I think, since the, you know, proliferation of 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 Apple specifically, but to tablets and smartphones and and just what you mentioned there is not having the time to, like, sit down, you know, and invest, you know, let's say, you know, an hour or two, you know, a night, but you have, you know, accumulated time you know, on the way to work or, you know, on the train. And, and, um, it, it's interesting how our, how our time has been, been spread. So I, I don't have the exact stat, but I had heard somewhere that like the amount of time we're spending on entertainment is actually more than it's ever been. It's just sprinkled throughout the entire day instead of the typical come home at night and watch TV from eight to 11. Right. You know, it's now just sprinkled, you know, throughout the day. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see how that new lifestyle, how that works with the console strategies, you know, of, of today, because like you said, players like Microsoft and Sony are really trying to make, you know, stake a claim into your, you know, living room, the shared screen. Right. Um, and it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the shift happens when everyone's got their tablet, everyone's got their phone. So everyone has their dedicated screen, but those other, but those companies um, are trying to say that the shared screen, the living room is where, they see new potential. So they feel like, not that the single screen is tapped out, you know, by any means, but are there new experiences to be had on a shared screen? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch. Okay. So let's, let's fast forward to 2020 when uh-huh. probably the next generation of console type stuff is going to be happen. I want to, I want to predict where Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft will be at each of those points. So where's yeah. where's Nintendo going to be in 2020? Nintendo. Um, I know where I, I would like them to be. <laughs> well, where, where, where would you like them to be? I, I would like them to continue making, I think, the games that you know we all love and remember. Um, but I, I want them to be a little challenged to think of a new business model. Like I, 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 I suspect that there is a bit of pride into the way that they're currently doing business today and not short-sightedness because, you know, they, they are a successful company. I don't think anyone would ever accuse them of not being, um, you know, today, but um, I think I just want them to get a little bit more creative of how they can continue to be kind of the leaders in software and game development, um, but do so in a way that's not the traditional hardware paired with, you know, hardware made just to play our games. Um you know, uh, mental model, you know, paradigm. Like, yeah. could, could they mix things up? Um, so 2020, I would love for them to be, you know, a software developer that's either making hardware for other platforms, so more, you know, more open source and really essentially doing what they do best and uh, focusing on the games and get that to as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm curious of the internal teams there i'm sure they've thought about it and i'm sure they've run some numbers i would hope to see kind of what the difference would be is if they were available on all platforms instead of just making their own um so someone's had to run those numbers you know sure i would think (laughs) so that's my wish for them yeah i 
Yeah, I want them. If if it were me, twenty twenty, here's where I would be for Nintendo. I would not be making a console anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe a um, a mobile, you know, Game Boy type console. Yeah, oh for sure. But yeah. not a not a home console. I I would be making because by then you know someone's going to have cracked the living room code and there's going to be a one a one box sort of thing. Yeah. If I were them, I would do everything in my power to become the default game controller for Apple TV. And not that Apple would sell it, but Apple has kind of made code available so developers can develop their own controller. Yeah. And I think that Nintendo should be first out of the gate and just become, you know, if they're the if they have a had a controller ready to go for iOS on you know, or, or on Apple TV from day one. I think yeah. no one else would buy any of the other stuff that Logitech made or oh yeah, any of those other companies. And I would just kind of, I would stick to games and controllers. And that's the mm-hmm. controllers are the are the the important bit of hardware for Nintendo. That's where yeah. a lot of their innovation comes. They have, oh, yeah. you know, they can kind of do all their crazy stuff. You know, and maybe even their games start becoming free, and they just have a new controller for every game. Like, couldn't you see that yeah. where? Yeah, you know, like they have like a sixty dollars controller, I and mean, the games cost sixty dollars now. It's gonna, mm-hmm. it's just a lot harder for people to stomach buying a downloadable game for sixty bucks. Oh yeah, and for so the sure. way, and the way you step around that is you you create specific hardware for that game. Yeah, I mean, alternately, I could see us a, a a controller plus subscription based system where you get. The games for as part of the subscription, um, and you get some you know value add services on top of that the the hardware or the controller that you purchased. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's exactly that. It's like I want Nintendo to think a little differently. Yeah. Um, into how they go about doing business. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sony, what's Sony going to be doing in by twenty twenty? <laughs> my my hunch is they won't be beating the gamers only drum. Like like they really did this this go around for PS4. I, I suspect, and obviously I, I would self-identify as you know as uh, you know pr- proudly so you know as as a gamer. Hardcore I know is is, is a tough a tough word because I'm not one of those PC you know master race you know people where I'm spending you know five thousand dollars every other month on updating my specs. <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm definitely not not that guy. But when it comes to you know console gaming, um, I do think that Sony is is going to learn something over this generation. I think they're going to say, okay, we definitely got the gamers on our side, but guess what? Those gamers are growing up. They're getting busier. They are demanding more diverse services. Right. And, um, and the generation just, that uh, was going to take their place is now in this uh, platform agnostic world. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I feel Sony will be forced um, to adapt. And actually, uh, I don't know if Sony will be able to. Um, I, I think they may continue to make consoles, but I think ultimately they're going to learn some hard lessons. I think Sony beats the same drum over and over again of this power first of, uh, you know, make make beautiful hardware for sure. But their software, let's be honest, is not up to par um, with you know iOS and stuff. You know, let alone the 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 new the new UIs and things that um, 
you know Microsoft has been working on, that they're just not there yet. Their their online infrastructure is not there. I think, you know, as much of a of a kind of critical darling uh, they were going into this race. Um, I don't know if they have the stamina um, that they'll need to kind of withstand. Um, ultimately, Sony, uh, you know, ha is a huge corporation, right? They have many different you know, entities and many different businesses within Sony. Um, I think they have a lot of legacy. And I think ultimately that's what is going to enable the PlayStation brand to continue. But I, I really don't know if, if uh, after this console generation, what their stance is going to be. Because I feel they swing really hard, you know, one way or the other. I don't think they have the chops nor the current business connections to become the living room center. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, like, I just don't see how by 2020 Sony doesn't adopt Android as becoming exactly as as, as the th as the thing that runs their console. Yeah, and, because they, they're just not good at platforms the same way an no. Apple or a Google or you know even a Microsoft is. Right. And so once they become Android, the only thing that makes them interesting is their brand i mean literally that's right. the only thing they have left is playstation because what pre what prevents samsung from doing the same thing I exactly mean, i mean and that's basically ouya is already there and yeah i mean you could kind of see a, a future where amazon kind of moves into that and so it's, sure. it's it's a really murky uh situation for sony because they don't make content either really for game i mean they do i mean they do have some yeah, Sony yeah, Studio have some stuff, publishers. Yeah. but but it's not to the same level that Nintendo. Like Nintendo, I feel no. like is somewhat inoculated from this because they make all of these, you know, yes. AAA titles of their own that no one else can make. So that's their kind of key to the future is just their content. But Sony doesn't even have that. No, so I just don't see. You know, I'm sure they'll be okay with the PS4, but. In the next two to three years, that there's going to be that switch that happens where also oh, yeah. someone figures out the, the code to make the right living room box, mm -hmm. and how the hell is Sony going to be a part of that? They're right. They're yeah. I mean, they're going to have to make incredibly smart partnerships, as you mentioned. You know, whether it's you know OS, you know, partnerships or or content provider partnerships. Um, that you know, I'm not convinced that they're ready to have those conversations or have even thought about them, <laughs> which is. You know, interesting uh, to to see. I mean, ultimately, it's going to make the the um, the next few years incredibly interesting to see how all these companies adapt to what's inevitably a changing marketplace. Right. And then with Microsoft, it's kind of it's interesting because they're the only one that owns everything. So, like, yeah. in theory, they are the ones best positioned to become this, you know, this living room computer. I mean, that's essentially what they're trying to do with the one. I mean, that's why it's called the one. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, but at that point, so like if, but if they stay in a console mentality and they, if they stay in like kind of the Microsoft up at this point has shown a history of embracing the future, but without letting go of the past. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of killed them in the smartphone market where they were mm -hmm. at one point, number one, and they quickly became supplanted. Mm -hmm. That's killed them in tablets where they were there first. And now that they're, you know, they're not even really a player in that. Yeah. Um, 
are they going to be willing to kill? I mean, really, I think what it's going to take is killing Xbox One midstream, like way earlier than, um, yeah, people are going to be ready for it. Uh, because realistically, they're going to have to kind of come up with something that maybe still does games, but maybe not to the same power level as the one. Right. Um, but and it's like it's a lot smaller. You know, it's it's more Apple TV like, but you know, does all those kind of those things and i wonder yeah. if they're going to have um the will to do that you know yeah because the um they just haven't shown that like especially with the, when you look at windows 8 it's like it's a tablet os plus it's you know a full windows os and it's mm -hmm. it's it's gone yeah. very slowly for them and because it's just such a muddled message and, and and really, I think the Xbox, yeah, for, yeah, for one, and you know, I'm in complete complete agreement with with that assessment. And and I think the good news is, luckily, I think the Xbox division, out of all of Microsoft, is the one that will be able to do all of those things that it needs to do. It's got enough of a freedom from the legacy, from you know, the productivity software, from the OS software, or at least it does today where you feel like they could make those subtle little tweaks over the next five to 10 years that they could eventually kind of separate themselves enough to make the, the impact that they're trying to make. Because, you know, as it is today, I'm even experiencing that crossroads right now. So I have an Xbox One. And before that, my, my primary means of interacting with all those entertainment services has been an Apple TV. And I love my Apple TV. I think that's like one of the smartest like inventions. It's it's magical sending things from your iPad to the TV to share with you know more people, and it's it's great. But what's interesting is as I'm experiencing these two platforms now, it becomes painfully obvious that I wish Microsoft would embrace you know some of the licensed technologies like AirPlay. You know, like it's something I would want to be able to AirPlay to my Microsoft Xbox One. And then I wouldn't actually ever need the, 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 you know, the Apple TV, but I'm part of that Apple ecosystem, at, you know, by this point. So really who Microsoft needs to watch out for is Apple and seeing how Apple yeah. is going to make the moves into the living room. And ultimately they need to react because I think that's where the real fight is going to be, yep. you know, yeah, between I mean, the two of them. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft is not really competing against Sony and Nintendo anymore. They're competing no. against uh, Google and Apple. Yeah, And even Google, I don't know if, you know, I mean, we haven't seen anything come from them in the living room space that has kind of made a meaningful dent, but no, um, Chromecast can, is trying, right? It's like, that's, that's like a, a first yeah. step in trying to get into that. And, and, and I know they've done the, you know, Google TV, which did Microsoft have anything to do with that? I don't think so. I think it was, no, right. yeah. It's Google only. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there, there's there's been attempts, but yeah, I, I'm I, I agree. Microsoft is fighting against different foes. I think this you know this this generation where they kind of dipped their toe into the waters of becoming this you know multimedia device, and then they truly became that over, over the lifespan of the 360, and then now they continue to do that. But they want more. They want it to, like you said, be the one, the, the the true one way of interacting with everything that's in your living room. Um, so, but yeah, um, it just makes me even more curious to see what Apple's strategy is going to be. Because, yeah. you know, as I mentioned, I'm already in the Apple, you know, ecosystem. 
Um, so for me, obviously, in my case, Apple has the best chance, you know, to get me, uh, you know, to to adopt, you know, whatever their comparable system is is going to be. Yeah. And the, and the only reason I have you know Microsoft now is because it is new, it is different. Um, but will I be saying the same thing when Apple releases theirs, you know, in the next few years? Right. Not sure. So okay, so then may, let's let's include Apple in this conversation. Then what's what's the Apple TV going to have to evolve into to to kill a console? Like what's going to kill the consoles? Mm. I definitely think the Apple TV would need to adopt apps. Yeah. Um, so you know, added features and capabilities that that are you know installed. Um, you know, per the user. So, so whatever your needs are, if you're a gamer, then you have more, you know, gaming apps kind of plugged in, you know, to your Apple TV. Right. If you're just, you know, a media person, you just have those platforms, you know, installed. Um, but they absolutely have to leverage their Siri, you know, technology. It's got to be voice. And, and that's why I think the battle between them and Microsoft is direct. I do think both of them want to own your living room via voice. Um, you know, you know? I'm, I'm not totally convinced that that voice is the right. Thing yet. I mean, I think that like there's a part of voice that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know the way Siri is imp- implemented, where it's more of a natural conversation, whereas yes. Xbox One, where you have to memorize specific phrases yeah. to get yeah. things to work, is is better. Definitely. But, but like you know, if you know, if you have uh, you know your partner s- sleeping next to you on the couch, yeah, you can't really use voice then no or if you know you got a baby in the next room or in the same right. room you can't really do that um or if it's like really loud you can't do that yeah and and and, and maybe it's not just a voice but it's the artificial intelligence that comes from um using voice you know as a channel so you know you you know you hit it uh, pretty directly there with Siri, the conversational tone that you can take and and the speech patterns that you can ask her to do something actually quite complicated, like set up a calendar invite and invite so and so people at this time. Um, saying that in a sentence and when that works, it's it's truly magical. <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, yeah. okay, that that's what the interactions should be. Um, so, like, I feel that type of processing, that sort of natural speech speech pattern, whatever that processing is that enables you to do the things that you want to do on that interface, be it voice, be it, you know, you know, touch screen or, you know, some other means we haven't thought of yet. I think ultimately that's what's going to allow um, the wide audience of your living room, um, you know, to function seamlessly. Um, because, you know, I think for us, like we're, we're comfortable, you know, making those interactions on our you know, iPads and iPhones. Um, but you know, are, are, are your parents, you know, just as savvy? Uh, will your kids be just as savvy, if not more so? Um, so I think the the one thing we all share in common is we all know how to, well, you know, how to talk, right? So I, I think voice is going to be very interesting. I, on the other hand, I think gestures um, are not as popular yeah. this, uh, you know, this generation. I, I think everyone took a hard turn on them. Um, so where gestures really became popular on, you know, touchscreens, um, I don't see the minority report interface as being, you know, the, the true future. Yeah. Know, I mean, I think bottom line, people just want to kind of lay on the couch and not yeah. move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, it's interesting to see that, 
um, that shift because I, I mean, man, even up until like a couple of years ago, like everyone was saying like, yeah, the minority report interface is the interface of the future. And then as people started to prototype that, yeah. and, you and know, as I you hold your hands up and you realize that your limp little yeah. arms, uh, yeah. can't handle being raised above your head <laughs> for more than 20 seconds, you go, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm not going to do this. Yeah. You're like, this is dumb. Where's the, <laughs> where's the controller or the tablet on my lap? You know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're going to have to have a camera and a microphone of some sort. Like, yes. Um, like the ability to do FaceTime, I think would be key. FaceTime, FaceTime's huge. And, and that actually reminds me of, to me, one of the most subtle, yet powerful um, experiences I've had with the Xbox one so far. And I totally think Apple's going to go this route as well. But when I enter the room and tell the and the Xbox is on, and I enter the room, it knows who I am. It says hello, and it brings up all of the stuff that I just did, you know, you know, an hour or two ago. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and and then when Chris came into the room, it recognized him, said hello to him, and at any time he can say, "Hey, Xbox, show my stuff," and it'll switch out the the desktop to be his. Yeah, that's, um, that's really freaking cool. And and it's just like those seamless things, and um. I don't know if, if 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 you remember like our you know rock band, you know, yeah. One like you know me being a lefty, I had to pause it and like switch switch the instruments over to left stuff. Now if I hand you over the console, it knows who you are and identifies preferences to you, and it does it all seamlessly. <laughs> wow. You know, which is like that's like when I sit down in front of my Netflix, it knows I'm by my. And it says, okay, Peter, here's your cue. But if it's, you know, Melissa and I, it's like, hey, the movies you like to watch together, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you that cue, you know. And like the, those are the things that I think are inevitable in the fight for the living room. I think it has to have that contextual that it knows who you are. It knows your preferences. It knows how willing, uh, you know, you are to explore. Um, and it learns over time, you know. These are, the, these are the tenets, I think, of the fight for the living room. Yeah. Yeah. What I what I would love to see is like basically, you know, one box merge all of the cable company type boxes. So you've got your uh, you've got not only the cable box, but you've got the um, the cable modem Mm -hmm. and the Wi-Fi hub. And it's literally you plug one cable in for data. Yeah. One cable in for power. And then there's another cable that goes into the TV or maybe there's even just a wireless little dongle that can do all that stuff you can put the box literally wherever and then it's just you're just looking at screen and you just never see that box again and it's like all the setup just goes away yeah and um yeah yeah that'd be ideal just get just get all the manufacturers to play nice and align on on standards i mean we're we're partly there for display and audio right i mean yeah i mean technologically wise it's totally possible it's really just a political thing yeah at this point yeah so the future, the future, it's so <laughs> political. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place then. Cool. All right. Cool. It's, Sounds it's, good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on Peter. No, of course. My pleasure. Thanks right. for having me. Cool. Talk to you there. Take care. See ya. Well, that's our show. I want to thank Peter for being our guest today. Peter's on Twitter at PMRP, or Herp. That's, uh, that's Peter's nickname. Everyone 
everyone calls it it. Uh, you can subscribe to After School on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store on your computer or the podcast app on your mobile device and search for Core 77 or After School. And when you're there, if you like what you're hearing, give us a nice review so other people can find us as well. Also on Core 77, we include show notes that link you to all the stuff you heard us talking about with Peter. You can follow me and the After School podcast on Twitter at After School, and you can follow Core 77 on Twitter at Core 77. After School's theme song is Introducing Today by Disco Lobos. I'm Don Lehman. Happy Thanksgiving. Talk to you soon.